0: That's what we'll be talking about starting next week. This week, however, is a standalone Sunday. It's a Sunday where all uh, all pastors all over the country take the day off. Uh, associate pastor, this is called Associate Pastor Sunday. Associate pastors everywhere are preaching, except at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. Somebody called this morning, and David answered the phone, um, and and this I could obviously just hear his side of the conversation. He said, uh, Michael Crocker in the CLC and David Minitsky in the sanctuary. So they're asking one who's preaching. Second thing that they asked was, what are they preaching on? Because he said, uh, this is what they're talking about. And I could just hear it. They hang up the phone, turned to their spouse, go, yeah, it's not worth going today. <laughs> you know, That's why they were calling. Who's preaching? We actually have the A-team today. Um, well, in the sanctuary anyway. <clears throat> and it's a standalone Sunday, so it's going to be a little different. But nonetheless, important for the message that I think is coming. But I want to open with two things. One happened to us a few days ago. Jenna and I go to uh, my family on Christmas night. We drive up to Granbury. They live in Granbury, which is South of Fort Worth. And we drive up there Christmas night. And if you remember, I said in the Christmas Eve service, I believe, that there would be 20 people and six dogs crammed into one house. I was misinformed there was only 17 people and 5 dogs. Um so uh, you know I I apologize just a, you know editor's correction there. 17 people and 5 dogs in a house that used to seem much bigger than it did uh, over the past 4 days. Uh it was quite chaotic. Uh it's, but there were 17 people and uh 5 dogs in one it's it turns out not really that large house. Um, I thought it was larger, um, on our way up there. I, I remembered it, you know, from, I guess my childhood or something as it being bigger, uh, even though it's relatively new. And, and so we get there and it's, you know, it's just great fun pandemonium. And we get to the time where we're going to open presents as a family. It was on the 26th, the, night, the next day that night and everyone's sitting around this one room all of us sitting around one room. It was only 15 of us at that time because Gracie and Corbin had gone to bed. And uh, so we're sitting there, and Jen and I are kind of on the outside. We're sitting behind the couch. So we are kind of like the outcasts of the family, and we're okay with that, you know, because we can, you know, make little comments about people and them not know. Um, Loving Christian comments about people and them not know. Um, And and so we're watching everybody open presents. And the the way we do it in my family is everybody takes a turn. And, you know, you open a present, then everybody ooze and aahs over that present, and whoever got it goes, well, the reason I got this is because of this, and, you know, it takes hours. I mean, seriously, I don't know if you're one of those families that says, go, and there's a prize for who opens them fastest. I don't know. I would rather have that kind of family. But so we go through all of this, you know, one present, one present, one present, one present. Jenna and I got, uh, We we are known for, you know, not the most expensive gifts, but usually the most thoughtful gifts in our family not because I get them, but because Jenna does. And we, we got my nieces, Carly and Courtney, who are, um, I think fifth grade and third grade respectively. Um, the, these, uh, designer bags with monogram pencils in them. So they each had, you know, Carly had Carly Crocker on hers and Courtney obviously had Courtney Crocker on hers. And, you know, we thought they were pretty cool. You go to school, you know, you know, that's my pencil. No, it's not. It has my name on it. You know, so there's no thievery going on in, you know, the Austin public schools. You can't trust them. And So we were, you know, we're thinking that's a great gift. And Jenna was like, I would have loved to have those as a kid. And I remembered as a teacher, kids always had those and it was great. So, oh, it's great. So Carly opens hers first and she's like, oh, and Carly is um, 10 years old and smarter than I am. And seriously, I mean, this kid is so smart. It's really kind of scary. And uh, she uh, opens them and she's so, and she's just the sweetest heart Oh wow, thanks! Oh, this is great! And she shows them to her mom. Oh, these are so these are so great! They're going to be so much fun! And oh, it's such a pretty bag that it's in! And blah blah. It just goes on and on about it. Jenna he overhears Courtney, who is in a different part of the room, sitting next to my aunt Judy, discussing the present because they know that it's going to be the same one for her. And my aunt Judy goes, "Well, you should open it next and just get it over with." Oh. And, Car- and Courtney eventually, when we get around to Courtney, pulls it out, looks at it, and goes, oh, thanks, it's awesome, and s- puts it aside. And it was real quick, real snide, and you could tell that she did not want to get to it. She wanted to get to Aunt Cece's gift, because Cece is known for spending money. You know, so she's going to get something big from Aunt Cece, but from Uncle Michael, not so much. And, you know, it it was one of those things where it kind of ticked us off, really, a little bit. In our defense, it looks cooler online than it did in person. However, it was still these monograms, you know, and we went through some thought and effort. And I know she's in third grade, but it was one of those things where we're like, man, and Aunt Judy is feeding this too, you know, by just getting it over with. You're 57 years old. You should know better, you know. And so we were going, God, ah. I don't know. And I started thinking, did anybody get one of those gifts where you opened it up and you really didn't want it, but you're like, oh, this is great? Be honest. Okay, thank you, Patterson. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You're sitting next to your dad. And you're like, I don't want to raise my hand, but I have to. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, You know, yeah, some of us were, you know, I mean, everybody gets those gifts every year. And it's it's that thing of how do you react to it? You know, if you are really kind of, uh, that's one. Two, we're coming up to uh, New Year's. And every New Year's, uh, you know, like most people, you probably take stock of the last year. 2007. How did you do in 2007? What went on in 2007? And what's going to, go, going to happen? What are your goals for 2008? I don't know. Maybe you're not. I am so type B that I don't really do this. But there are type A people in my family, um, some capital A's in my family. And so we will be driven to this, whether we like it or not, to reflect and to look forward to the next year. am not mentioning any names back row, left side. Um, but... Uh, you know, so what we do is, you know, we do this every year, and you start looking forward and taking stock of your life and what happened and all this stuff. And do you, what do you think about when you think about this year? What do you think about? You know, I heard somebody on the radio say that I can't believe it's 2008 already. Really, Christmas and thanksgiving there weren't clues to you that it was coming. I just don't get when people say that. But it's—you know—I can't believe all that happened. It's gone by so fast, and so and I was like, actually, it was really kind of slow for me. I'm so glad that 07 is over. But what do you look at? What are those markers that you look to say this has been a good year? What are those things that you say? Oh, well, I got a, a I've got a raise at the beginning of the year and that was great. Or I got this. Or I did this. Or I did. What are those things that mark your life so that you know it was a successful year? What are those things that really are important to you? Philippians. That was the second thing. Here's Philippians chapter four. Paul is talking, obviously, since he wrote it. How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but for a while you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. Verse 13, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Paul understood contentment. The word contentment. Paul got it. See, we're coming up to the new year, and it's going to be happy new year. How about have a contented new year? Because you might not be happy this year. But be content. Be content. See, there's there's a difference there. There's this happiness and contentment. We're always searching for happiness. We're always searching for that next thing that's going to give us the thrill of the lifetime. There's a book written by John Ortberg called uh, Love Beyond Reason. And in it, he writes a story about this little five-year-old girl who is with her parents in the car. And they've driven by the altar of the Golden Arches. And she sees the Golden Arches. And she goes starts going nuts about, I want a Happy Meal. I want a Happy Meal. Oh, man, I just... I want a Happy Meal so much, and if I get one, I will never ask for anything again in my life. And she just goes on and on and on and on about this. Anybody ever heard this? Corbin's looking at his son. Nice. Anybody ever heard these words before? I will never ask for anything again in my life if I just get this Happy Meal. Parents are worn out. They finally go, fine. They pull over. They get the Happy Meal. They give her the Happy Meal. The greatest Happy Meal of all time. She just loved it. She eats it. She devours it, every little morsel and bite. The pickle is just right. The mustard and the ketchup mixed together. Oh, it's beautiful, perfect. The fries, crispy but not too salty. You know, it's just greatness. The, the toy, oh, the best toy ever. She is so happy with this Happy Meal. She grows up to be a woman and never complains. She never, I mean, she is so thankful that she got that Happy Meal when she was five years old that never again in her life. If ever does she complain, her life turns out to be really hard. She marries a guy that's just a louse, and he treats her poorly, and he leaves her with three kids when they were young. And the kids grow up, and they drop out of school, and they just sponge off of her. She doesn't have much money anyway. She becomes an old woman. Social Security runs out on her, and she's just begging for food, but she never complains because she got that Happy Meal when she was five. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, does it? Doesn't You know, just because she was happy that one time, that for, the rest of, for the rest of her life, I'm content. I'm happy. Because we're always striving for that next Happy Meal. You know, she got that Happy Meal, and I'm sure 20 minutes later she saw something else, and she's like, that's my next Happy Meal. I need something else to fill that need. I need something else to fill that, that, little, that little part of me that wants to be happy. The only people that really were happy when she bought that Happy Meal was Ronald McDonald. That's why he has that stupid grin on his face, right? Billions of Happy Meal sold. But see, that's the thing. is, you know, Kids do that all the time, but as adults, we don't say, if I just get this, I'll never ask for anything else. Some of us do. But we still have that mentality. If I can just achieve this, I'll be happy. I'll be in a place where everything's great. If I just can achieve this part of my life, if I can just move on to this section, if I can get that one promotion, if we can get this one house, if we can get this one part of our life going, if we can have a kid, if we can do whatever it is, then we will be happy. But then you know what happens. Every time you achieve that thing and the honeymoon period is over, the newness is worn off and it's no longer shiny and bright and fun, you start looking. What is that next thing? What is that next thing? What is that next thing? See, what Paul's talking about here in Philippians is contentment. Is contentment. Is being happy with what you have. Is being happy with what you have. Is being thankful for the things that God has given you. Looking back over this past year and saying, you know what? There were some good times. There were some bad times. But I'm so thankful for fill in the blank. I'm thankful for my daughter. All the stuff that we've gone through. The good times and the bad times and all the stuff that, all the hours that we clocked in hospitals and doctor's offices and needles and surgeries and all the stuff that has gone on this last year. I'm thankful for her. I'm happy for her. Corbin has decided that, not either of the Corbins in the room, my Corbin has decided that he doesn't like to sleep at night anymore. For some reason, he decide he I don't know what it is. He's starting to sit up on you know he he can sit and just stay there for hours and he wants to do that now at three o'clock in the morning. But I'm still thankful for him. It's, it's a little shaky this morning, but I'm still thankful for him. <laughs> you know what are those things that you mark? It, it's not it's contentment. You know sometimes my job is fun and exciting, and, but there's other times where I really just don't like my job. I really don't like the things that I do up here, the things that I have to do. There are times when I go through weeks and I'm like, oh, I have to go up to the church again. Oh, I've got to go up there. Oh, somebody wants to talk to me. Oh, they want a meeting with me. And I know what that meeting's going to be about. And what a downer. That guy is just always depressed. I don't want to talk to him. You know, there are times when I go through those things. But I need to see the bigger picture with plenty or with little. When I have a full stomach or when I have an empty stomach, be thankful for the things that God has given me. Be thankful for the peace that I have in him. See, Jesus was, if you look at some of the ways Jesus taught, he taught with frustration a lot of times. He, I mean, he would ask a question to the disciples and never give them the answer. Oh, thats That's got to be so annoying. I mean, it's annoying to me when I read it. I couldn't imagine in person. Like, you're right there. Just tell me. You know, he talked in these parables and he wove these beautiful stories and, and he was, for thousands of years people have been trying to extrapolate what it, what it is that he was saying. They're doing all these exegesis and intergeses and all these Jesus things and going out there and, and trying to figure out what the Bible says. And, you know, I couldn't imagine one of the disciples going, you're here, just tell us. We won't tell anyone if you don't want us to. He taught through frustration and he taught through this this kind of getting into our heads of saying, "I need something," and maybe it's because He wanted us to be pushed towards God and to be pushed towards that ultimate answer of Jesus Christ, that maybe sometimes frustration, maybe sometimes those difficult situations in our life allow us to see God a little more clearly and allow us to draw closer to Him. See, when you get that, contentment follows. Yeah, I know this is a tough time, and I know this season is tough, and I know last year was a pretty difficult year financially for us. This next year, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm kind of content because God has still given me more than most of the the world knows about. I still have a roof over my head. I still have, you know, we still have food on the table, and it's a struggle. It's month to month. But we're still making it, and we're still together as a family, whatever it is. Sometimes those frustrations are meant to show us something greater. Those difficult situations and those darkness, those darkest times in our lives, are sometimes so that we can see the light more clearly. It's all about contentment, not happiness. It's about getting that gift on Christmas and opening it up and being just happy that somebody thought about you enough to get you something. Next year, I, you know, I don't know what's going to come in 2008. No, no clue. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I do know that if I continue to focus on Christ, if I continue to listen for God's word and God's will in my life, and continue to walk forward, I'll have bad days in my job. I'll have times, and I'll see one of you coming around the corner. I'm like, oh, an HEB. I see. I see people all the time in HEB. And it fascinates It's like seeing a a kid, seeing a teacher out of school. You know, it's like weird. It's like, oh, what are you doing outside of this classroom? You know, you should live in the classroom. I don't know if you remember that as you were a kid and you saw a teacher. It's like that with me sometimes when people see me at the store. It's, you know, they're like, oh, it's Pastor Crocker. Yeah, I got to eat too. Um, (laughs) I feed the family, you know, little diapers. Corbin goes through, you know, and it's, it's one of those things. And you know, there are times when I see you, and I and Jen and I call it tunnel vision. Y'all know tunnel vision? You put up little blinders and you just walk by somebody, and if you don't look at them, they're not going to see you. You know, kind of deal. Because you just you're not in the mood to talk. There're going to be those times when I'm going to see you out there, and I may breeze by you. It doesn't mean I don't love you. Just know that. Don't care about you. Don't want to talk to you. Just not at that moment. There's going to be those times in your life when you have the same thing. When you're dreading getting up, going to work. When you're dreading seeing your kids. When, you're, when, you're, when the crying has gotten to a level that you can't take it anymore. When something between you and your spouse and you're just bickering and bickering and bickering and it's gone on for a couple of days. And there are going to be those times in your life where the tough things happen. Remember those words of Paul as he writes from prison. I'm okay. I'm okay. There are times when I've had a lot in my life, and there's times when I've had nothing. But I know that Jesus Christ died for me, and I'm okay. I'm content where I am. That's not to say this year don't strive for anything. That's not to say this year don't work for anything and don't move forward in your goals and your dreams and the way that God is moving you. But if they don't happen, if things don't go the way you think they should, you're not succeeding the way you think success should come, be content in the gifts that God has given you. Maybe this year, instead of making a list of the things that you want to do for next year, make a list of the things that you're thankful for. And maybe start at the top of the list with with the places that you have seen God move in your life, not the things you have. Not the, not the successes that you have achieved. But maybe start at the top of the list where you know God was involved in a situation. Start at those successes, if you want to call them that. And then maybe the, the bottom of the list, you won't even get to it. Because you will be so filled with awe that God cares about you so much that from January 1st of 2007 to December 31st, He was always with you. Knowing that is true contentment. So, contented New Year to you all. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gifts that you have given us. The gifts, Lord, that we in our own eyes and in the eyes of the world sometimes see as true gifts. And and even those that we don't, we thank you. We thank you for those times of of blessing and merriment that you have showered upon us. And also, Lord, we thank you for the times over the past year, those times of darkness, of stress, those times of struggle, when you have revealed yourself to us, when you have reached out to us and shown us your love greater than we ever could have imagined. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we have looked away and Forgotten to look for you, in the, in the midst of the darkness that we have looked to some other light, relied on ourselves or the world, and not you. God, I pray that all of us this coming year would find our peace in you, that we would find our contentment in you, that we would find ourselves in you. We thank you and praise you, ask your blessings upon us, and all who would know you this year. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next year.